is nice. That, um, you know, I studied for what we wanted to do tonight, and, and I really felt like it's what God wanted us to do, which is always a cool thing. And I'm listening to this song, and it's just one of those. Now, Tyler, you didn't know I was preaching, right? Yeah, okay, all right. That's, now, let me just, because sometimes when a singer sings words, it's hard to really hear what they say. So before I tell you what we're going to do tonight, let me just read the words again. Where are the signs? Which way should I go? I planned each step, but now I don't know. Tomorrow is a chasm of uncertainty, but I will go there if you'll go with me. Gentle Savior, lead me on. Let your spirit light the way. Gentle Savior, lead me on. Hold me close and keep me safe. Lead me on, gentle Savior. Why can't I walk away from my regrets? And why is forgiveness so hard to accept? My past surrounds me like a house I can't afford. But you say, come with me. Don't live there anymore. Now, remember that phrase. And the course again. And then, when I reach the valley, every soul must journey through. I'll remember then how well you know the way. I'll put my hand in your hand like a trusting child would do and say... Gentle Savior, lead me on. Let your spirit light the way. Gentle Savior, lead me on. Hold me close and keep me safe. Lead me on, gentle Savior. Now, with that thought, take your Bibles, please, and back to Genesis chapter 12. Back to Genesis chapter 12. And what we want to do tonight is look at what happens after what we talked about this morning. Now, let me just kind of, I always like to reteach, to re-certify what was said this morning. And basically, the key thought that God just seemed to really lay on my heart this morning was that God called Abram to a relationship and to a journey. A relationship and to a journey. And that the relationship begins today by faith. You know, Abraham believed God. Abram believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. So he believed God. And that day he began a journey that would ultimately lead to he'll meet a great blessing, his name being great, all peoples of the earth being blessed through him. But it started that day with a relationship when he believed God and was counted as righteousness, and he started that journey. And I said something this morning that may have made some people feel uncomfortable, but I believe with all my heart, it's true with us too. When Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That, that you can't just have a date in history and no journey. I can't find any scripture. Now, hear what I'm saying. I cannot find any scripture that supports that. I cannot find any scripture that says, one day I pray a prayer asking Jesus to forgive my sins and be my Lord. And then I just go do what I want to do. I don't find that anywhere. And that's very frightening because I see that over and over and over and over again in people's lives and their people's um, journey that they take. Now, now, I should say this. There is a relationship and there is a journey, but so often it's not the journey. It's a journey. You know, something said everybody's worshiping something. Well, everybody's going somewhere. Everybody is on a journey somewhere. But the question is, is it the journey or is it a journey that you're taking? Now, what I do find out, though, is this, that there's a relationship and we began the journey. And sometimes, as I mentioned this morning, we get a little bit cockeyed and we either stay behind while God goes forward or we go left when God goes right or something like that. I see that happening, but I always see a return back to the journey, the journey. 
And so tonight, I, it's so cool how that if you look at verse number 9 now of Genesis chapter 12, we see Abraham as he can, or Abram, and if I say Abraham tonight, please understand, we see him continuing this journey, and we see him falling into some of the pitfalls that this very song talks about. I, I, the one about, about you know, um, I find myself, my past surrounds like a house I can't afford. Why is forgiveness so hard to accept? Why can't I walk away from my regrets? And I see this in the life of Abram as a young believer. Now, remember, Abram, even though he's one of the great patriarchs of the faith, was a pagan. At this point, he's what we would call a baby believer. He's a baby Christian in his walk. Okay? He, he made a commitment. He just started following journey, maybe young years into his journey. Okay? He's a young believer, but he, at the same time, is a great man of faith. Now, watch what happens. The Bible says in verse number 9, so Abraham journeyed, okay? Just like we heard about, you know, he had a relationship and he journeyed, okay? Going on still, going on still toward the south. So he kept journeying. Now, what makes this paradoxical and what makes it difficult is that in verse number 7, God said, Hey, hey, time, pause. You're, this is the land. One day I'm going to give this land to your descendants. And at that point, Abram built an altar to God. And then he went a little bit further toward Bethel and Ai. And Bethel, interestingly, means the house of God. And he goes and builds an altar there. And this is where we didn't get to preach this morning. The Bible says he worshipped God there. And literally the word in the Hebrew, the word worship means he called upon. And another meaning of that word is he preached Yahweh. He preached Yahweh. Remember when God said all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you? They would be blessed by, one, his life, but also his legacy. His life, because as he paused at Bethel and Ai, he preached to the Canaanites there, I know the one true God. I know the creator God. I know Yahweh. And his legacy would come later on. The descendants of Abraham, the children of Abraham, and ultimately our Lord Jesus Christ. But interestingly enough, when God said, whoa, time out, you're here. This is the land I'm going to give. He kept traveling on. And that's when we get into trouble. In our journeys, we often get into trouble when we keep traveling on. I wrote down four things. And if you write these down, I think you should. Four great things that are great dangers in the life of a believer. When we establish a relationship with God, okay, and as we journey, there are four things that we've got to be very, very careful of. The first one is this. We will find that we have a tendency to ignore God. We have a tendency to ignore God. God will say, do this, and we don't do it. God will say, do this, we don't do that. God will be with us, and we'll pretend like he's not. Okay? We will ignore God. It's just a tendency that we have. This happens largely when things are going very well in our lives. When things are going good, when the kids are behaving, the marriage is good, the job is good, the economy is good, the bills are getting paid, everyone's well, the doctors are not visiting the doctors very often. We have a tendency to kind of lay God aside, to ignore God. And I'm telling you, we need God in the good times, just like we need God in the difficult times. All right? So number one warning sign is when we tend to ignore God in our journey. Number two, I wrote down this. When we want to stay behind. Now, understand, if this represents the relationship, and this represents the journey, and this represents our death one day, all right, nowhere along the journey does God call us and say, okay, just spend the rest of your life right here. We are called to a life of sanctification. 
We are called to a life of becoming more and more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a process that begins the day we are born again and it ends the day our heart beats its last beat. There is not a pausing point. And that's why we have to be careful is that when we start the relationship and we're on this journey and when we find certain things that are very good and godlike, like, for instance, regular attendance in the house of God, perhaps a quiet time, perhaps giving above and beyond the tithe, perhaps. Those are things, but because those are such good things, we may have a tendency to pause. And God keeps moving on and we Stay behind. And that's a dangerous thing. All right? Remember that on your journey, you're always moving with God. Say, I'm always moving with God. Your entire life, it never stops. Don't ever think because I'm going to church three times a week, I'm giving a tithe, I go on an occasional mission trip, I teach a Sunday school class, I do this, I'm nice to people. The process of sanctification is a lifetime calling. And every year, you should be able to look back on the last year and say, these are things I see in my life that God has groomed and changed. And that stops happening when we start Staying behind. So be careful of ignoring God. Be careful of staying behind. And then I wrote down next, getting ahead. Sometimes God has a timetable. God has a time starting with a relationship. And when we die and on this journey, God has a timetable that he is taking us. And sometimes we have a tendency to get ahead of God. I think in business, we could call that the Peter Principle. The Peter principle is when a person is advanced in leadership to a point of which he is not equipped to handle and ultimately he will fail. And so it is with us. If we start, you know, if we're what we call fast burners, some Christians that grow fast and some that grow slower. But if we're like, boy, we're like a, just a, a, a tree that's just growing overnight and we just want to accelerate and our zeal will exceed our knowledge and our zeal will exceed our faith. Our zeal will exceed our spirits and our zeal might exceed God. And ultimately... We will fail. So be careful that you walk with God. Don't get left behind. Don't ignore and don't get ahead of God. Wait for God to open the doors that he's leading you to. And he will. And he will. Um, Again, I've seen pastors put in churches that they simply were not equipped to handle. Uh, They may be uh, excellent speakers, but their their pastoral skills or leadership skills are not there. And they fail because, again, it just seemed like the natural thing to do. And sometimes the natural thing to do is not the God thing to do. All right? And the last thing is this. Be careful of crazy Ivans. Now, Crazy Ivans comes from the movie Red October, and it's a true thing, is that a Russian submarine captain, to make sure he wasn't being followed by American submarines, would suddenly make a a hard turn to the left or a hard turn to right to see if the sonar would pick up someone behind him. Now, I've talked about the fact that sometimes God does Crazy Ivans, and if he does, follow him. Follow him. If God, if you're going this way and God goes this way, I don't care how weird it seems. If you're certain it's God, you follow him. But what we've got to be careful of doing is our crazy Ivans. Okay? Um, we go through midlife crisis. We go through a, a, a wonderful career opportunity. Again, it just seems the natural thing in career progression. Uh, we'll make lots more money. We'll have a big promotion. And it seems like, well, God, I know you don't necessarily agree with this, but... And we do a crazy Ivan. We turn away from God. And every time we, we ignore God, every time we get ahead of God, or we get behind God or do a crazy Ivan... We are walking on our own, 
and we are experiencing some of the realities of this song. And all of a sudden, we feel very, very alone. Can I have a witness tonight? So important. It's true in parenting. It's true in career. It's true in marriage. It's true in life. It's true in ministry. It's true every facet of the life. Okay? So we see Abraham, and Abraham is going to get ahead of God. He's going to ignore God. He's going to do a crazy Ivan. I'm not sure which category I would call what fits to happen, but believe me, he does it. All right? The Bible says, God, or excuse me, so Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. Now, there was a famine in the land. If you've got a Bible and you like circling your Bible, circle a famine in the land. Now, there are two things. First off, a famine is a problem. A famine is a problem. Would you agree with that? All of a sudden, gas is $5 a gallon. That's a problem for some people. Okay, amen? Amen? All of a sudden, you have a, a no or 1% pay raise, and the cost of living is going up 3 and 4 and 5%. That's a problem. Okay? Famines occur in their own way in our lives. And there was a famine in the land, and that is a problem but would you please, if you're writing down the word problem, write next to it opportunity. It's an opportunity. Because problems are opportunities to trust God. Problems are, and I'm going to just stop here, pause, and say your pastor lives through this. And I wish I was 180 years old and had mastered all this stuff. Because they say, I've got all this down. I can just teach you all from practical experience because I know. It's just not true. Okay, when problems come into my life, my tendency is to do the same thing that Abraham did. Keep right on walking the way that I think is right and end up in Egypt. Okay, so it may be a problem, but it's an opportunity for God to work in your life. It's an opportunity for faith to happen. It's an opportunity to trust that your God is able. And without that, our faith would never grow. Abraham was a man of faith, and he's fixing to have an opportunity for his faith to grow. Unfortunately, he chooses poorly. Okay? So, there's a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt. Now, Egypt, as you know, I've taught this to you before, and you've heard other pastors say it. Egypt is representative of the world system. What, was, what did God call Abraham from? A, a multi-God cultural experience. What is Egypt? It's the premier multi-God cultural experience. Okay? It represents everything that's not God. Okay? But they have food. They have food. So the logical thing to Abram seems to be to go where there's way to meet the need. The need is food. So rather than trust God, he does what seems to be logical and he goes down to Egypt. Whenever you go down to Egypt, you get in trouble. Whenever, again, if you're walking the life journey with God, if you're lagging behind, if you're ahead, if you're doing a crazy Ivan, or if you're ignoring, you're going to get in trouble. Spiritually, you're going to get into trouble. Do you want to know why 50% of the marriages in church end up in divorce? Do you want to know why a larger majority than ever of Christians, they say, same-sex marriage? Well, isn't this America? Isn't that Okay. You want to know why so many Christians have no problem with cheating on income tax? With, with other things that we know are wrong, and yet the Bible teaches they're wrong and we ignore them? It's because of this. It's because of this. Alright? So, and you might say, we've got way too much world in the church. The church is supposed to be in the world, and we've got the world in the church. Amen? 
Okay, okay, all right. So there's a famine in the land. Abraham, Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe. Now, what drove him was fear. What drove him there was fear. There was a famine in the land. He was hungry. The, land, the famine was severe, and fear drove Abram. He was concerned for his well-being, so fear drove him down to Egypt where he should not have been. Now, let me say this. Well, Dwayne, the Bible didn't say that he couldn't go. No, but the Bible does say that God brought him to the land. So this is the land I'm going to give your descendants. And we don't see God opening the door. What we do see is a new believer. We see a new man of faith going further than he should have, either ignoring God, getting ahead of God, leaving God, or doing a crazy Ivan. That's what we see. All right? Verse 11. And it came to pass that as he was close to entering Egypt. Now, this is interesting because Abram cannot feign ignorance about what's about to happen because he's aware of the culture, that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance, of to which Mrs. A said, Thank you, Mr. A. That's incredible. All right? Verse 12. Therefore, he should have quit before the therefore, but he didn't. Therefore, it will happen. Say, it will happen. He knows what's going to happen, okay? He's not ignorant about this. It will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Now, that's a problem for Abram because, again, he likes living, and also he's supposed to be this great person that's going to bless all the peoples of the world. So, what does our logic tell us? Here's an idea, Abram. Don't go. Don't go. If you know, if you know that they're going to kill you when they see how beautiful Sarai is, don't go. Hey, sir, if you have a problem with women, don't be in a position where you're with women by yourself. If you have a problem with porn, get rid of your computer. If you have a problem with alcohol, don't work in a bar. Can I have a witness? If you like to gossip, unplug your phone. <laughs> I say email is both a blessing and a curse. You know, we can send these emails. And boy, you can't get them back. Once they're gone, they're gone. Incredible. So don't go. Well, Abraham didn't quite get that because in verse 13, here goes. Please say that you are my sister. I know this just a wonder for their marriage. I mean, you, this is a great lesson in how not to do marriage. Please say you are my sister. That it will be well with me for your sake or because of you and that I may live because of you. His whole focus was what, David? Me. Hey, I'm concerned about me here. Now, yeah, I know there's a possibility you'll end up in Pharaoh's house sleeping with him in in a sexual relationship. But hey, go ahead and do that because after all, it's about me. Poor Abram was so mixed up in this. And and check this out. God has said, listen, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And and your descendants will be great and all this. He's going to promise that the descendants will be as stars in the sky. And let me, now I'm not, I'm not real, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. But in order for there to be a descendant, there's got to be a husband and there's got to be a wife. Very good. There's got to be a husband and a wife. He's betting the farm. He's betting the promise somehow that this is going to turn out okay. But 50% of the team is going to be put in a compromising position. And if he doesn't do that, he feels like he'll die. Don't go, Abram. Don't do it, Abram. 
But he's willing to bet the farm that somehow it's going to turn out all right. Incredible. Just incredible. Verse 14. Just like he thought. So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman and she was very beautiful. Just like he said. Verse 15. And the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commanded her, commended her to Pharaoh and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. Just like Abram feared. All right, now watch this, though. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Y'all remember that, that Matthew 16, 26 verse this morning? What is a man profited if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul. What does it matter if Abram gains donkeys and sheep and servants and wealth and really loses his soul? Certainly his life mate. What does it matter? How can it work? You say, well, Dwayne, why did, why did Pharaoh do this? This is interesting. In the culture, if in fact... Abraham or Abram was the husband. Pharaoh could in this culture, well, one thing, because he's king, he could do what he wanted to. But even in this culture, if you want another man's wife, you simply killed the husband. So he could have killed Abram and taken her. However, the flip side is, is that since she said, he said, now you tell him that, that we're sister and brother. As brother, he puts himself in a very good economic situation. Because, as brother, he would be in charge of her. So, if there was any discussions about dowry and those kind of things, who was in on the negotiations? Abram. Abram. And it appears, from the context of the Scripture, that one of the reasons Pharaoh's house treated Abram so well was is that he was in on the negotiations. And I can see him coming in there and say, hey, we really like your sister. She's really great. What do you say to about 1,500 donkeys and 1,600 sheep and some camels and some male and female servants? Abram's going, uh, 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 great, it's a deal then. And he gained this wealth but lost his integrity. Beware the power of compromise. You'll be put someday in a position to either compromise your marriage or compromise your integrity at work or compromise your position as a parent or, a or as, a, as a leader in the community. Beware of this thing called compromise. All right? Now, isn't it cool? This is what's great. Who comes to the rescue? God does. Yahweh does. Yahweh comes to the rescue. But look how he does it. Verse 17. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Now, again, there's two points here that's kind of interesting. Now, remember, remember the relationship thing? Remember, you know, okay, here's the deal. I, I'm going to make your name great, okay? And, 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 and all these people are going to be blessed by you. And you are going to be a blessing. What is Abram in this case? He's a curse. He's a curse. Remember the blessing thing? 
Instead of being a blessing to Pharaoh, he is now a curse to Pharaoh because God is judging Pharaoh because of Abram's actions. Do you get it? See, he's, he's, instead of being what God called him to be, he's the opposite of what God called him to be. And when we journey and we do a crazy avenue or we get ahead of God or behind God, ignore God, we often become a curse to the ones that are closest to us. Other people suffer for our sin. Family members and church members and, and friends suffer for our sins. Interesting. Very interesting. And then secondly, is that God rescued. God, through cursing Pharaoh, intervened. You might say, even though Abram was unfaithful, God was faithful. And i got good news for you tonight. Even though you're unfaithful, your God will be faithful. Once you begin the relationship with Him, and it is genuine and real, He will remain faithful to you. And that may, that may even involve discipline in your life. But see, when Abraham did the crazy Ivan, God's bringing him back to the journey. And that's so important. That's crucial. And again, if you say you had a relationship with God, and you've been all over here, and there's been no evidence of God intervening or rescuing you, you need to ask yourself, Why? The New Testament puts it this way. If you call yourself a son of God and you go out and sin, 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 sin. And I'm not talking about an occasional fall in the mud pole. I'm talking about a lifestyle of sin. And there's no correction in your life. God's word says you are illegitimate. You're not a genuine son. That's what the word of God says. That's not my opinion. That's God's word that says that. So God intervenes and he rescues Abram by cursing Pharaoh. Now, you know where this is going. Look at verse 18 19. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say, Mr. Man of Faith, she is my sister, which, by the way, I'll interject in Genesis 20, 12, uh, Abram does this exact same thing with a guy named Abimelech. And he, when Abimelech says, why didn't you tell me? He goes, well, actually, she kind of is my sister. We have the same dad and different moms. And so she's my sister, but she's my wife. You know, rationalize, justify, you know, deceitful, all that. Why did you say she's my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here's your wife. Take her and go your way. You know what the problem was then? How many of y'all think Pharaoh left that experience going, I want to be a Yahweh follower. Put me in the Yahweh club. Anybody? How many of y'all think perhaps Pharaoh's going, if that's a follower of Yahweh, I don't want any part of it. Uh Uh-huh. Problem then? Problem today. I'm telling you, you don't like hearing this. But I'm telling you, the world looks on the church today and says, if, that are, if those are the people of God, I'm not sure I want to catch it. They hurt each other. They criticize each other. They gossip. They have affairs. They're porn addicts. They're drug addicts. I've, there's no difference between them and us. Why would I want what you're selling? Problem then? Problem now. And again, you may disagree with what I'm fixing to say, but that's okay. And the problem isn't that we have sin in our lives. 
That's not really the problem. The problem is we have sin in our lives and we say, oh, no, I don't. I'm holy. The problem is we're hypocritical. The world can handle authenticity. They can't handle hypocrites who say, I'm better. Yes, I lie. I steal. I cheat. I gossip. I I have affairs. I'm a porn addict. I drink. I've got a drug problem. But I'm better than you because I go to church. That's the message we send to the world. Can I have an amen? And we won't win this world when that changes, folks. We will not win this world when that changes. Till we become authentic. And again, ideally, our talk and walk will line up here. But for goodness sake, until that happens, at least get your talk down with your walk. Be authentic enough to say, yes, I have a drug problem. I I confess to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I have a drug problem. And I, by God's grace, will one day lick that. At least be that authentic. Yes, I gossip. I know that I gossip. I know it's wrong. And I'm asking God to remove that sin from my life. Be that authentic. At least in the world today can't call us hypocritical about it. I was reading this morning in, in the book of Matthew. I've got this sermon brewing you know, where we, you know, gag on gnats and garf camels. You know, Jesus said, you strain at gnats and swallow camels. And, and in that scripture, he was talking about how that the tomb was white on the outside, but inside it's full of dead man's bones. Be authentic. Be real. The world can handle that. And then they'll see God's grace in our lives. And when they see God's grace, then that's when they'll say, That's what I want. Amen? That's what I want. Well, verse 20. And we're done. And by the way, I did make a note here at the end of verse 19. So go your way. There's no indication the famine was over, David. What drove him to Egypt was still a problem when he left Egypt. As far as we know, the famine was still there. It didn't go away. Crazy Ivans getting ahead of God, getting behind God, ignoring God doesn't solve the problem. It only makes the problem worse. Worse. And let me just throw one more thing out to you tonight, and then we'll call the night. Verse 20. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him, I like this, here's the deranged translation, and they sent him packing. (laughs) Out of here, bud. Out of here. You're done. They sent him away. They sent him packing with his wife and all that he had. I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm not so certain that every time Abraham, as God has now got him back in the journey by his grace, by his wonderful grace, he directs him and corrects him and gets him back up going back toward Canaan. All right. That every time Abram hears a He's reminded of the cost. And every time he hears a, he's reminded of the cost. Every time he hears the bay of a donkey or, the, or a sheep going ba, ba, he's reminded. What, what was once considered a blessing now reminds him of the cost of that. And there's one more thing. Tyler, have you ever wondered 
where Sarai got Hagar. Man, have you ever wondered where Hagar came from? Let me refresh your memory. Hagar was an Egyptian handmaid. And there is a very strong possibility that while Sarai was in Pharaoh's house, that she obtained servants. And when Pharaoh sent them packing with all that he had, most likely those servants went with them. And later, again, not trusting God, later, Sarai would come up with a plan that said, since I can't give you a child, let's let Hagar, the Egyptian handmaid, go into you and give you a child. And she did. And she did. And today, the world is suffering the consequences. So before you go on the journey with God, assuming you've got a relationship and you're not on a journey, you're on the journey. Amen? You're the Sunday night crowd. You're on the journey. Before you go on the journey, before you stop or get ahead or do a crazy Ivan or ignore God, think of the cost. Think of the consequences. Because sin will take you further than you want to go, make you pay more than you want to pay, and you will stay longer than you want to stay. If you don't believe Abram, let's talk about David. Let's talk about Moses. Let's talk about Peter in the New Testament. The book, and I guess that's kind of encouragement, Dave, because the book is filled with people just like us. People who got ahead of God, people who got stayed behind, people who did crazy Ivans, and sometimes people who ignored God. And I guess the encouraging word is, if God can use them, He can still use us. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads, please? I'm going to ask Dave to sing tonight, and I'm going to let you stay seated with your head bowed. Because I want you to think tonight about this message. I want you to think first off this. Are you on the journey? Not a journey. Everyone's going somewhere. I acknowledge that. But has there been a time in your life when you made a genuine commitment to Jesus Christ, and you started on the journey? That will ultimately one day end with your last heartbeat. Have you made that commitment? If you have not, it would be my privilege to share Jesus Christ with you tonight. It would. I mean, I, I was on the wrong journey for 20, 21 years of my life. I was in church, but not a believer. And I was very religious, but I was just wrong. And then when I was 21, I met Jesus. And I got on the journey. And I'd be glad to introduce you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, tonight. I would. I can tell you that there have been times your pastor has got ahead of God. There's been times when I got behind God. There have been times I've ignored God. And there have definitely been times I've done crazy items. And I will tell you, none of them had a great ending. 
none of them had a great ending. And if you were honest tonight, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you would have to say, Dwayne, you know what? I pulled a few crazy items. I, there's some times I just got stubborn with God and playing my feet and said, I'm not going any further, God. I've got this down and this down and this down. Well, that's as far as I'm going. There may have been some times when you got ahead of God. Your zeal was bigger than your faith. Your zeal was bigger than your knowledge. Many times you just ignored God. But where are you now? That's what matters. If you're certain you're on the journey, where are you now? Do you know that you know that you know that you're where God wants you to be at this point in your life? If not, why not tonight make that commitment? Okay, God... I'm coming home. I'm getting back on the path right now. You don't, you've rescued me or you don't need to rescue me. You've opened my eyes tonight. Maybe God's on a rescue journey tonight for you. Maybe God is on a rescue journey for you tonight. This message was your rescue journey. He's bringing you back into tune with His Word. Maybe so. But let's leave tonight, before we go to our fellowship time, let's leave tonight in tune on the journey with God. Now, Dwayne, how do you do that? <laughs> I think it's almost as simple as that old song we sing, Lord, I'm coming home. Lord, I'm coming home. We make this way too hard. We don't need a magic formula. We don't need a magic prayer. It's just simple. God, I'm coming home. I've, I've done with the crazy Ivans. I've done with ignoring you. I'm done with getting behind you or ahead of you. I'm in step. I'm coming home. And you begin tonight. On that journey. Father, I want to just thank you for, for Tyler's song, first off. The words were so incredible and such an affirmation, Father, for this message. And I thank you for that. Father, there's one of my friends here tonight who have never truly made that commitment to you. They're on a journey, but not the journey. Let them come into relationship with your son, Jesus Christ, tonight. And Father, all of us, truthfully, all of us probably have a little distance to get back on the path. Some may be a great distance. Some a small distance. But Lord, as we leave this place, may we be walking in step with you, side by side, arm in arm, with the one who loves us so. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen.